Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, let's open up our words today. We're going to be going uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 24 here in just a little bit. And today we're going to be talking about the New World Order. I know that some of you perhaps have looked on to easysermons.com and gotten my notes, or perhaps you are on uh, an email that goes out with my notes. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many. I've I've written, uh, oh, I've written uh, tens of thousands. I would, uh, I, I don't know how many, tens, tens of thousands of sets of notes. And uh, you can find a lot of those uh, for, a, you know, a, a dozen to 20 years back or so on the website EZ Sermons. That's just one word, EZSermons.com. And uh, uh, a lot of people go there and search and such. And, and some of you perhaps are on there right now. Uh, looking at my notes because I write my notes in 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 um, you know in some narrative form so that people who English is not their first language and maybe they don't uh, even though get to watch maybe they don't understand every word I'm saying they can go back over those notes and it's written so you could read them and have a complete sermon and so uh, uh, you know the New World Order is a real searchable sermon title for right now. I know some of you may have heard President Biden say in the last week, talked about the new world order and every, you know, so much stuff that's going on around uh, that I I, I just wanted to jump into this title. Now I have a twist here, by the way, because you know, I always have a twist because uh, the things that the world often portrays uh, is not necessarily what Jesus wants us to take away from something that he said. And so I am always on a search for what Jesus meant, for what he said and what he meant, why he said it, and why it's important for us to know it. So uh, if, you'll, uh, if you'll open up your words to Matthew chapter 24, let me tell you where we are when we get to Matthew 24, where Jesus is, okay? Uh, uh, it was during this time of the year that we're in right now, during this particular season. Uh, it was in the early spring, and it was arguably, and the reason I say arguably in the year 30 A.D., is because not every scholar agrees in what year Jesus was crucified. You know, uh, there are just, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, calculate different, and, it's, and, it's, and, and, and we don't really know. But if you believe that Jesus was crucified on a Friday, if you happen to believe that, some believe a Thursday, some believe a Friday, I don't want to share all the contentions because there's real no, really no contention about it. It's not that it's, you know, argued from a standpoint of somebody being upset, but everyone has a little different calculation, a little different viewpoint. But from my viewpoint, which agrees with a lot of scholars, uh, you know, um, uh, when we get to Matthew 24, it's a Tuesday evening. It's April the 4th of that year, in the year 30 A.D. Yeah. Uh, Why? Because there were... In the, in the years that Jesus could have been crucified, uh, that he would have been old enough and not too old, uh, you know, Friday crucifixion only falls in two years. One is 33 A.D. and one is 30 A.D. 
And uh, let me go a little further for someone's asking questions. Well, Jesus was 33 years old. Why don't we choose 33 AD? Because King Herod died in 4 BC and King Herod was alive when Jesus was born. And so there is a miscalculation in the number of years as we look back. BC um, literally is before the common era, before, uh, you know, it's not just before Christ, it's before the common era, if that makes any sense to you. So we can't just, norm, just go back and say Jesus was born in the year zero or the year one, all right? Uh, there actually has to be a little bit of study uh, to this. And so Jesus was 33 and a half years old. He was born in the fall of the year in, 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 in around uh, September or October, depending on uh, which year that it was. Uh, on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, most likely, the new year, okay, the head of the year, Jesus was born. And then, you know, uh, uh, then he lived 33 and a half years, which would have taken us back around to Passover, which is in the spring of the year, okay? Now, why do we, uh, let, let, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I don't know why, but this, some people are having more. I'm, I'm eliciting more questions, evidently, out there than I am answers at the moment. But let me answer a couple of more questions. Why then is December important for the birth of Jesus Christ? Because life begins at conception. And that would have been when Jesus would have been conceived around the Festival of Lights, around the last part of December, December the 25th. Life begins at conception. And so then Jesus was born around september -ish. Does that make sense? Um, uh, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But let me just give you the full scope of why it was this season of the year. Because it's only two days, two more days before Passover. You can read that later in Matthew 24, 25, in, in, in Mark chapter 13, 14. You can read that it's only two days. When Jesus gets finished here, it's probably already sundown. So it's already started the Wednesday in in, uh, in Jewish uh, calculation of a day starts at sundown, the next day starts, okay? So it would have been Wednesday, Thursday, and then, you know, uh, crucified as I imagine on Friday. So, all right, we've had church. Let's go home. <laughs> all right. For some of you, that was very informative. For others, it was very boring, okay? So let me get off of it for the moment. But it was this time, this season of the year, you know? It was almost Passover, just two more days. And Passover fluctuates between March and April on our calendar. And so as we look back, if it was the year 30, there are only two years, as I said, that a Friday fell, uh, you know, uh, on uh, Passover fell on a Friday. A full moon fell on a Friday. And that would have been the, uh, the season in A.D. 30 that I believe Jesus was crucified. And so, you know, Jesus was in Jerusalem with his disciples and with thousands of other people because they were there for Passover. It was, it was the big celebration of the year and, and, and people were commanded, uh, Jews from all over the world, if they had any uh, capability to come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so there were people there from everywhere at Passover. And, uh, and, and Jesus and his disciples were there counting down the days uh, for Passover. And this would be the Passover. 
You know, people didn't realize it as they were mingling around. They just thought it was another uh, Passover year because they'd been doing this for about 1,500 years as a dress rehearsal ever since the days of Moses when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and that first lamb was slain and the blood was put on the doorpost in Egypt and they were led out of Egypt, out of bondage across the Red Sea and, you know, uh, on into the promised land. And so here Jesus is the fulfillment of this 1,500 years of dress rehearsal. There must have been an, a, a sense. There must have been a spiritual sense. No doubt there was an increase in angelic you know, a, a, a movement and, 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 and you know, just, just presence of the Holy Spirit and God because this was the day. This was the season. This was the time of year you know, uh, when, when this Passover that Jesus was the Lamb of God and he was going to pay for all the sins of the world one time one sacrifice for all sin forever. What an exciting time in the heavenlies. And it must have been something in the air. And so that evening, as the, the, I'm, you know, I imagine a Tuesday evening, about sundown, Jesus is walking out of Jerusalem. His disciples are following him. He's leaving the temple area. And as they walk out the city gates and get outside the walls, the temple is just looming there. It's just huge and it's magnificent. You know, uh, the, the disciples notice it. And one of the disciples says to Jesus, have you, have you seen the magnificent? He starts making comments on the architecture. He starts making comments on the magnificence of this structure. He says, oh, look at this. My goodness, Jesus, look at this. And Jesus answers him and says, well, listen, yeah, but that's only temporary. Not one stone is going to be left on the other. This is all going to be destroyed. Well, you know, this was not the first time they had heard Jesus say something like that. In John, the second chapter, in the first time that the disciples went with Jesus to the Passover, three years earlier, Jesus had talked about, I will destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. You know? Well, uh, that's long about John 2, 9 or so. And that really was, okay, people started saying, what do you mean? It took like 40 years to build this. What do you mean? How in the world can you rebuild it in three days? And, of course, Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. And even later on, if you read in, in Matthew 26, as Jesus is being tried in front of the high priest, he is accused of saying that he will destroy the temple. That was one of the accusations that was brought up against him. Evidently, somebody remembered it from three years earlier and said, I heard him say that he was going to destroy the temple. And the high priest says, well, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> well, he said, well, you'll see the Son of Man coming. Uh, the high priest ripped his clothes. You can read about it anyway, but that's, uh, that, that, that was at his trial. So no doubt on this Tuesday evening, as, as I will submit to you, Jesus walking outside the city gates of Jerusalem and seeing the magnificent temple as his disciples did. How magnificent is this? Listen, it's going to be destroyed. No doubt that could cause a little question in your mind. What exactly did he mean three years ago and what does he mean today? What does he mean that, that, that it'll be destroyed and he'll rebuild it? He's got to be talking about, you know... He's got to be talking about setting up his kingdom. He's got to be talking about something here that, 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 that is about to happen. 
So as Jesus walks across the Kidron Valley, it's only about, you know, 75 yards or so across the Kidron Valley, out that, 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 that temple area, and starts immediately to go up the Mount of Olives. It's, it's not more than, you know, 200-yard walk or so, 250-yard walk, as Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Bethany. You may remember Bethany is the place where Larry and Becky Hansing used to live. Uh, and Mary and Martha and some other people. Yeah, I think y'all got there a little bit later than they did. And, uh, but, uh, but as he's walking up the Mount of Olives, you know, uh, and, and, and it's a fairly steep little, little climb, you know, and, and uh, most likely the disciples are kind of trailing out. We don't know for sure. Maybe they were wondering. Maybe they were pondering. Maybe they were talking about themselves. What in the world did he mean? What, what's going on here? Well, Jesus stops, you know, somewhere on the side of the Mount of Olives, and he, he waits on his disciples to gather around him, and, the, and, and they all collect and gather with him. He wants to talk privately to them for just a moment. And so when they all get together and he's sitting there on the side of the Mount of Olives, Jesus is asked a question, okay? He's asked a very direct question which concerns the last days and the end of time, the end of this age, the end of the world. And so that's where we pick up. It had been a long day. And we're picking up here with them sitting on the side of the Mount of Olives. Many of you have been there with me. And you're looking right over that temple mount. Matthew 24. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, verse 3, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, the end of the world, the end of this age of the world? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, realize right here, we could go through scripture after scripture after scripture and find out that this was one of Jesus' Uh, favorite things to say to his disciples. Don't let anyone confuse you. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone lead you astray. He says in verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So that, or see that, you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the disciples had asked Jesus a very direct question. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? How will we know when the end of the world is going to happen? And, you know, all the things that Jesus tells them to expect, 
He tells them to expect wars and threats of wars. He tells them to expect famines and earthquakes in a lot of places, pestilences. He tells them that nations and kingdoms will be divided. Uh, but he also tells them that that, that does not point to the end of the world. That's going to be happening all the time. In fact, that's just the beginning of sorrows. Now, a lot of people reference these things, wars and threats of wars and all the, I mean, there are charts. You can, you can go online and look at all the charts of the increased earthquakes, earthquakes in various places, diverse places, in places never been before. Yes, 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 yes. But the end is not yet. Jesus is being very specific. He's being very plain, by the way. And many people have taken the things that are written herein and they have imagined that Jesus was giving some inside information on the last days. And, 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 uh, but, but it's not like they imagine. In fact, Mark repeats this conversation to confirm what Jesus is clearly saying. In Mark 13, Mark confirms... Jesus speaking, verse 7. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars or threats of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Such things must happen, but that's not the sign of the end. That's not the signal that things are about to end. Don't use that as your signpost of the end times. Now, he could not be more clear here. But yet, this is one of the most misrepresented passages concerning the end times. That all of a sudden, this points to the end. Listen to all the wars and the threats of wars. I've heard of threats of wars this week. But the end is not yet. For a nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes, verse 8 says, in various places. And there will be famines and troubles. I mean, have you ever seen so much trouble? Uh, these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, uh, let, me, let me reiterate to you that wars and rumors of wars and threats of wars and, and earthquakes and, and, and you know, uh, uh, you know, trouble and nations divided and, and kingdoms divided and clans and tribes divided and different people groups and different cultures and different races divided does not signal just because it's bad and it looks like it's getting worse does not signal the end of time, the end of days, the end of this age. Jesus could not have been more plain. The end is not yet. Now, I, I know that I'm disappointing some of you who want Jesus to come tomorrow. Now, he may, but it won't be because there's a threat of war. It won't be because of famines and earthquakes. It won't be because of the atrocities that are being committed against various people groups. That, 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 listen, that has been always and always will be until the end of the age. There is, however, a qualifying factor. Jesus does not leave his disciples without answering the truth in a clear and definite way. Jesus Jesus gives them an exact truth and what they can point at to know when he is coming. 
He's just going through a discourse here. And we need to let him finish his discourse before we stop at one point and say, they asked him when the end of the world is coming and he said wars and rumors of wars and threats and nations against nations and earthquakes and there's more earthquakes now than there ever has been and, there's, and look at all the wars and the threats of wars. Look, it says in Matthew 24 that, you know, I mean, come on, we need a prophet that can do more than listen to world news and say it, look. <laughs> How many prophets take a poll? How many preachers take a poll to see what the congregation wants to hear? There's a good sign of the last days. Itching ears. Heap to themselves teachers because the teachers, they'll, they'll just keep finding more teachers that are saying what they want to hear. Stop it. Jesus was plain. He was very clear. Don't get disappointed. I believe Jesus is coming soon. I hope it's before I get finished with this message. Okay. And the imminent return of Jesus Christ is a doctrine that, that no other scripture can uh, forget. That he can come any time at any moment. But, uh, you know, there's an unmistakable answer to this question. You know, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? Jesus, you know, is going through a discourse, but let's let him follow and let's get to the point where he does answer the question. Let's look back to Matthew and let's allow Jesus to finish his answer. Okay, Matthew 4, uh, uh, 24 rather, uh, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no man deceives you. Very important now. It's very important that we do not let other people deceive us. Because a lot of people will come saying a lot of things. But we need to go back to the word. The first admonition of Jesus whenever he's talking about end time events, the very first thing he said is don't be deceived. A lot of people are going to come saying a lot of things, but don't be deceived. I mean, when you start thinking about end times, I would think that I would want to go to Jesus' very first admonition about end time events, and that is don't be swayed off of what I'm going to tell you. Don't let anybody else mix you up, confuse you, or mess you up about what I'm going to tell you will point to the definite time that I am coming. We see a lot of injustices, a lot of troubles, a lot of wars and natural disasters and atrocities, but don't let anyone tell you that based on these things that it's the end. It's not, okay? Uh, that's a, a worldly prophet's narrative. Ooh, that's a good, that's good. Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's a false prophet's narrative about when he's coming back based upon world events. Listen, Jesus is not coming back based upon world events. The world will not determine when Jesus comes back. No maniac is going to determine when Jesus comes back. No despot, no dictator, no evil ruler, 
No war, no famine, no pestilence, no earthquake is going to determine when my Lord Jesus bursts through those eastern clouds and comes to get me as a bride. That is reserved unto Almighty God. And even the angels don't know. And Jesus said he didn't know at one point. That is the truth. But there is an indicator, and he's going to tell us. He's not going to tell us the day nor the hour, but he's going to give us a clear picture. Get off your world events. It's false prophecy, Jesus said, to deceive people with world events. Boy, this is some of the best preaching I've heard today. It'll mix you up. It'll mess you up. And it will rob you of the focus. It is a demon's doctrine. I say it in the name of Jesus. It's a demon's doctrine to get your focus off of what he said. Because what he said is the power of God unto salvation. What the world is saying elicits it's fear and some etherical imaginary hope based upon something that Jesus said don't believe. Well, I'm finding myself getting a little bit upset up here. I didn't know this was in me. I thought this was going to be a sweet little Humpty Dumpty message. But I'm telling you as your pastor and a man of God, thus saith the Lord, the world will not determine when the Savior returns. Don't look to world events. You may have to endure. That's what verse 13 says. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Let me paraphrase this. Endure just a little bit, as Jesus is saying, and let me tell you what the real marker is. Don't be fooled. Accept no substitute. Here is the truth, he said in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. He answered it. I don't know how much, more, how much clearer it could be. But it's boring to talk about evangelism. We want to talk about, you know, you know it's boring. It's it's first grade, it's so rudimentary, it's so elementary, it's so beneath us prophets to talk about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in all the world as a witness to all nations, preaching salvation. Do you know the one thing everybody needs to not go to hell is salvation? And that's the business God is in. That's what Jesus is pointing to. Get your focus off the sensational news cycle and close your ears to the prophets who follow it to forecast the coming of Christ. Every generation faces evil and injustice, and it may get worse. We may have to endure worse. It's not the wars and the rumors of wars. Listen, don't, don't be troubled by these things, he says. Let not these things trouble you. Matthew 24, 6, the end is not yet. This does not signal the end. When I wrote this this week, I loved what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm, that's why I put it in red. Get your eyes off the world news and, and, and get your focus on the good news. 
Get your eyes off the world news and get your focus on the good news. That's what Jesus is saying. I could paraphrase him. Get your eyes off the world news and get your focus on the good news. Because bad things happen in every generation. And we confidently know when Jesus is coming and when the end of this age will be. How do we know? Jesus answered it very directly. When he was asked by his disciples, he was asked a very direct question. He answered it in a very direct way. These things don't spell the end. Let me tell you what spells the end. The end will come whenever the generation who's going through all that mess, whenever a generation that's going through wars and threats of wars and going through trouble and tribulation and going through atrocities and and natural disasters and, and the devil has unleashed all of hell against a generation and against the earth and things on the earth are unimaginably horrible whenever that generation who endures and stands up and says, despite everything that's going on I'm going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world as a witness to all nations and when that generation covers the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ then the end will come we just have to have a generation that stands up in the midst of all the mess with a mandate with a with a commission a great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I believe that Jesus wanted them to hear this message so much that he told them on the side of that mountain in a very critical moment. And then, two days later, he's crucified. Then, three days later, he's resurrected. On that third day, he came up Alive, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he spent 40 days, appeared to more than 500 people, showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus and the disciples find themselves right back at the same place they were two days before his crucifixion, right back on the Mount of Olives, maybe standing in the very same place. And these disciples ask him the same question. Acts 1, verse 6. Then when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, (laughs) will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? (laughs) Is this this the time? (laughs) And Jesus said to them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons. Come on now, people. Get your mind off of the world news. Get your mind onto the good news. Don't let the devil distract you. You know how long it takes to make charts? I spent a couple of years making charts. If you had been in my church back, back when Donna Minner was in my church, uh, you know, you would have known exactly when Jesus was coming. I had the chart. Only 1982 passed, and, it, and all the planets lined up just right, and he didn't come. <laughs> then the Mayan calendar threw me a curve. But I guess God wasn't listening to the Mayans. Y2K almost did us in. I had my bags packed. I was ready to go. I can't believe that he missed World War II. 
Genghis Khan was, was, was a pretty good reason to come. You know, Nero, Nero was the first. I, I can't believe he missed that opportunity. Well, hey, the aim of Jesus is clear. Whenever they said, uh, you know, are you going to do it now? <laughs> it's now the time. He said, it's not for you to know the times of the season that the Father has put in his own authority. Okay? Only God. Boy, that, that should ring big for us. The world cannot decide. I know people making a lot of money preaching about this. I know today I may not, you know, I, I may not get a thousand hits today. Well, I probably will with this title, but, but then tomorrow they'll all be wiped off because we redo it and we put another one up. So, you know, everybody that watches us for the next 24 hours, which will be thousands of people, it all goes away Monday. We start back with two. But that's not what it's about. But today, somebody that's saying that Jesus is coming because of Vladimir Putin today, they're going to get 40,000 hits. Why? Because people love that stuff. It's entertainment. It's real deceptive. I mean, I didn't say that. He did. The end's not yet. And God has put the, the return of Jesus in his own authority. No one else can decide that. It is up to God. And what did Jesus, the Son of God, 40 days after his resurrection when he is going to ascend, what was his answer to them about this question? Number one, God knows. Number two, this is what you're supposed to do. But you. Now, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit and power when this Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the result is you shall preach the gospel unto all nations for a witness. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I mean, it's the same answer. Get your eyes off of what's going on in the world, God will take care of that and get your eyes on preaching the good news with the power, with the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. <laughs> well, today, if you hear uh, the voice of God, you've definitely heard my voice because, uh, you know, it, it's hurting a little bit. I, I, I think I screamed a time or two. Today, if you hear the voice of God, then, uh, then accept God's will and plan for your life. You can be a part of God's plan. I know it is not the most you know, um, um, exciting news for you to come to church and hear me preach one more time. Tell somebody about Jesus. I'm just trying to get out of here. I am trying to help God set up his new world order. I don't give a hoot about the new world order that all these other goons are trying to set up. There is a coming new world order. God talks about it, but it's his new world order. You know, one of these days, Jesus is coming. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. 
and, and, and you know, all the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new world order. That's the new world order I'm preaching. That's the new world order that Jesus was preaching. We here at Church on the Rock are constantly every day because of you reaching out and preaching the gospel to the whole world just like Jesus said. Now, even though times get difficult, even though COVID was hard, and even though circumstances, situations, finances, nations, doors opening, doors closing, you know, uh, vaccinations, non-vaccinations, all this stuff going on, it's just going on. Don't let it capture us to the point to where we are not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a world that is lost and hurt. Because Jesus wants to come. Jesus is ready to come. I promise you, he is ready. Okay? The only, you know, the only thing that's holding him back, you know, is us doing our part. Because only the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring about the end of this age. That's what Jesus said. Only the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring about the end of this age. Let me ask you, what are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? I don't believe for one moment that we should submit to the evil of this world. I think we need to stand up and speak up against injustice. But I think our main focus should not be the world news. It needs to be the good news. Because only the preaching, according to Jesus, only the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring about the end of the world and the new world order that God is establishing. Amen. Well, that's the answer. The answer is Jesus. And this, you know, today I'm going to just you know, ask you, dare to share. Dare to share. Go ahead. Dare to share. You'll be helping Jesus get what he wants. He wants to come back. You know, you know, God wants this to close. But it'll happen because we, the church, we preach the gospel. Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and wants to be your Savior. He will save your soul if you will call upon him. If you will ask him, he'll forgive you of your sins. He will save your soul, and he will make a disciple out of you, and then he'll tell you to go and tell other people, just like Leanne did this morning, tell other people what he did for you. That's the good news. That is what Jesus needs us to do. Well, for those of you on campus here uh, and those of you online, I'm going to be praying now. I'm going to pray that, number one, you're born again. You know, uh, again, just like Leanne said, you just, 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 just from, you know, night to day, from, from Saul to Paul, you know, just in a moment. All it takes is you asking Jesus into your heart and your life. And then I'm going to ask you to focus this week on telling somebody about Jesus. Just make it your focus. Make it your purpose. Okay, And you know what I decided I was going to do? Last night I was praying, and this morning I got up and prayed the same thing. I said, Lord, this will be my little indicator. Every time I hear the, wor the world news, I'm going to share the good news. You know, Every, that, 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 That's going to help remind me. That's my crutch. Okay, That's going to be my red light flashing. When I hear the world news, because I'm the kind of guy that gets real upset at world news. 
I'm the kind of guy that's real passionate about, you know, injustice, you know, just like many of you. I have to watch myself, and I have to make sure that I stay focused on what he wants me focused on so I don't get deceived and get off track and end up being no good to him, okay? The best I can be for my fellow man is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. So every time I hear the world news, I'm going to say something about the good news. Just ask a friend at work, well, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? I've been praying for you. You know, well, listen, uh, there is a new world order. It's Jesus Christ, and he's coming soon, you know. Uh, come on, have a little fun with it, okay? You might be shocked at how prepared they are to hear the good news. God has a plan for our lives. Amen? And he will succeed. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you, Lord, to save the lost, Lord. And if there are lost people listening right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would save them, Lord, that they would simply turn their life over to you and just ask you to come into their heart, forgive their sins, Lord, and they would turn their life over to you. God, for those of us, Lord, who are born again, we pray, God, that you would revisit us, Lord, with a holy fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ because only the preaching of the gospel is going to bring about the end of all these atrocities, injustice, natural disasters, problems, Lord. Oh, God, uh, help us to endure, Lord. But God, help us to be a part of the answer, Lord, as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. God, help us also, Lord, to participate in what our church is doing here and around the world to share the good news to share the gospel, to bring Christ to a lost and a hurting world. We ask these things, sir, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Come, Lord Jesus, the Spirit and the Bride say come. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.